first things first, as you know, uh, we have a great slate of programming that's brought to us by our official selections program. That program is a submission-based program in which we have a selection committee uh, make choices about what films to screen here that you'll learn the most from and the folks that we want to hear from uh, in this space. Uh, also, if you didn't know, Brand Storytelling has a great partnership with production company Credo Nonfiction, where we produce, that's right, that's right, we can do that, uh, where we produce a podcast. Uh, it's called Content That Moves. You can listen to all 29 episodes of Content That Moves anywhere that you find your podcasts. So I encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes. There's, is there anybody here in the room that has recorded an episode of Content That Moves? There we go. I see a couple hands. Well, if you want to get a bigger deep dive into those folks' careers and work, I would recommend that you go ahead and listen to that. So uh, what we're going to go ahead and do today, it's a first for us, uh, we're going to marry these two things that I've just mentioned. Uh, this official selection, we have members of the official selection committee in the house, and we are going to have them record live for the next 25 minutes about uh, the state of brand-funded entertainment uh, through the prism of what they viewed for this year's Brand Storytelling 2024. So without further ado, I'm gonna let them introduce themselves when I'm gonna call them up and we're gonna go ahead and get started. And welcome to everyone here in the room and welcome to Content That Move listeners at home. Um, this is the first episode to be recorded in the room where it happens, as we like to say, uh, in front of a bunch of the best and brightest in both brand storytelling and as we heard yesterday, brand story selling, which is an essential part of the mix. Um, which I'm sure will come up. We're all here in Park City uh, alongside Sundance where we're swapping notes, dreaming up new collaboration possibilities, um, and just pushing the industry forward, hopefully in a more creative, meaningful, and maybe even world-bettering direction. Um, we want to thank the brand storytelling team, as always, uh, for creating and nurturing a very special community here and holding this event every year. Um, I'm Jesse Raisler, the creator and host of the show, produced in partnership with Brand Storytelling, uh, also the founder of Credo Nonfiction. We create nonfiction films for networks, publishers, and of course, brands. Um, today we have a fun episode here. Um, I was honored to receive an invitation on the selection committee, along with all of these wonderful folks, wonderful folks here. Um, and it was really, you know, it was really informative, right, to not only see all the quality of the films and series and podcasts that were submitted, but a really immersive and, and cinematic way to sort of put a finger on the pulse of what's going on in this uh, unique little corner of the industry. Um, so what we're here to do is uh, kind of talk about what we saw and where we think that puts us today and where we might be headed. So I'd love to just have everybody introduce themselves. Maybe we can start down there with Dan and work our way back. I'm, I'm uh, Dan Cowles. I'm the executive creative director for a video in the Adobe Studio. We basically work on... Um, all kinds of stuff. So it's marketing and events and all kinds of other stuff, advertising, but also branded content. We've done a few projects with Z Zach Ryder, who you saw earlier at Anon Anonymous Con Content. We've done other stuff as well. So um, anything video, I, I touch <laughs> at Adobe. Well, hi, my name is Alberto Ferreras. I am executive, wait a second, I have a funny title. <laughs> Let me think for a second. I'm uh, a, a, a creative executive in residence for Televisión y Visión, and I'm in residence because I also do independent projects. I work with the Smithsonian, with HBO, with AARP, and then another Kmart a long time ago. Anyway, that's me. 
Thank you. Hey everybody, I am Tommy Oliver. I'm a filmmaker and CEO of the CEO and founder of the Confluential Company, which includes Confluential Films, a film and TV doc and audio production company and financier. Also, Black Love, which is a media company. And we do all sorts of fun stuff from, I don't know, we had the movie that won, the doc that won the Grand Jury Prize here last year at Sundance, mm -hmm. going to Mars and Nikki Giovanni Project, and lots of other fun stuff. Thanks for having me, I'm a fan of the podcast. Oh, thanks. Thanks for being here. Hi, everybody. Sakita Lewis. It's, um, I'm a filmmaker and a marketer, so background with PepsiCo and Frito-Lay and Ocean Spray from a corporate marketing perspective, but also a filmmaker. So I have a small production studio in Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, we're excited to be up here uh, talking with this group and partnering and collaborating with you all. Fantastic. Um, cool. Well, one thing I'd love to start with is just asking all of you, what were the commonalities that you saw maybe across some of the projects that you felt were the most successful? Could be a way a brand strategy was translated into film, a creative execution, a distribution strategy, uh, really any aspect where you feel like maybe we've hit on something that's that's working. I I have a thought. <laughs> um, uh, I you know, I thought the filmmaking was amazing. I think the tools and the filmmaking and the quality of the imagery of the images, the color, you know, edits, color, um, the technology and that has really got us to a place where we could make really beautiful films and people know how to do it. Um, I think the things that differentiated movies the the ones that stood out for me were the ones that um, had other elements like some really strong characters or great, really, really great stories. And I think in this space, we sometimes kind of get, um, you know, casting is not always as, as flexible as, as it is in like in fiction or narrative or, or even docs that we want to go out and where it's and but that's super important. And I think finding great characters that you want to see on screen and want to spend time with and are interesting, I think that was what I thought made some di differentiate. I, um, I, I, I keep thinking that you always remember someone who told you a good story. Even if you don't remember the name, you're like, there was this guy in a bar and he told me he's like wacky. We always remember that. I think that that's what brands have to understand. Uh, mainly because some of my favorite projects just were incredible stories, like 109 Below. I mean, I cried watching that movie. I, I cry when I talk about that movie because it's just an incredible story and it illustrates something that throughout my entire life I've been told and I don't quite believe. It's like, you know, uh, you know whatever. Uh, there's always something good after a tragedy. Something good comes out of bad things. And all of a sudden this movie makes you think that maybe that is the case, that we just don't give it enough time to see how, um, how things... So I, I think... My, my favorite thing about this year is that I saw exceptional stories that are so memorable that make you, uh, that endear you with a brand that said, hey, I think that you're gonna find this interesting. And I think that has to be um, the goal of brand storytelling. Always telling, always sharing with you a story that is so exceptional, you say, wow, man, you gotta see this. I don't care who paid for it. Actually, we do care <laughs> who pays for it. But, but, but yeah, I mean, establishing that connection with the audience because after watching 109 Below, I, I got to interview the filmmakers and I said I would never, if I decided to 
go hiking in the future, which is unlikely, I would absolutely <laughs> wear your, your, your clothing, Arteryx, because clearly you understand what's at stake when someone goes out and climb, you know, whatever, a frozen waterfall. So yeah, that, that was my take on things. So I think it might be a bit of the, the naysayer here, where I think what you said around, I don't care who pays for it, it matters. And the reason it matters is the stuff that resonates, it resonates because you're connecting with something. You're connecting with the heart of it, the character. It's not the stuff that is the overly brand focused because those things, we've all been inundated with ads and with commercials and things that don't actually move. And so it's stuff like 109 Below where it's so organic and so a part of what that story is that you care about that. And then after the fact, you talk about that movie and you talk about that movie and you talk about the brand as well as a part of it. And I thought a lot of the projects didn't actually get there. I thought that they were okay, the storytelling was okay. There were a handful that jumped out, but it really comes down to, like for me it's like, I'm a, I'm a storyteller, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a writer, I'm a director, I'm a producer, I've made movies, I've made docs, and it's all about figuring out how to connect with somebody, and everything as a part of the process is in service of that connection, it's in service of emotion, it's in service of how do I stay connected to this thing, it's not about how pretty it is, it's not about how well edited it is, it's not about how well lit it is, it's about do I connect, do I feel something, and when you do that, and the brand is a part of that, that brand halo, that project halo becomes so much better. And so I'm excited for other reasons because I think that there's so much more that brand storytelling can be, and I don't think it's there yet. And that's awesome. I think similarly, like true brand integration, and so I think we're a long way from where it was like product placement, like the product is in the refrigerator, so now that's that's great for my brand. It's not great for your brand. I think a lot of the stories that, you know, that were official selections get to the point where it's the brand's purpose and the brand's mission are organically aligned with the story that they're trying to tell. And so that true integration, I think, is what really resonates, right? Because then it's, it's an, it's, it hits an emotional, I, I cried so much over the two months that we had to, to review these things because each of them hit me in my heart and it was felt more authentic. It felt like this brand makes sense to be bringing this to life for me and they're not doing the gratuitous product shot but they are in service of the story. So I think when they can find a way to be really in service of the story where the, the consumer or the story is really the hero, not the brand, then that's where it really makes it, really breaks through and makes a difference. I think gaining ground did that well. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I really felt that same thing, and, and to, to add on that, um, there's like the spectrum, right, where it's like, it's totally about the brand to the point where it's like, where's the story, or you're like, what was that about? I didn't quite catch it. Um, and then there's films that are really emotional and about a real person's journey. And there's an architecture there where the brand is like in the DNA of it and it doesn't call attention to itself. It's just like, oh, this happened, he used this. So I'm thinking of, they came from all over um, in that Facebook community group. And also we are Allende. Like I really cared about those protagonists. The film wasn't about the brand, but the brand was organically part of the story. And if you, if you took that brand out, the story would be way different. So I think that was really um, interesting and cool to see. Um, shifting gears a little bit, what, what did you see that was maybe a bit of an outlier or surprised you, um, maybe felt a little bit 
innovative or just something that made it feel apart from some of the others in the same same field? I think for me, it was the, the different approaches. So different approaches in tone or different approaches in structure. Um, like Gaining Ground is one of my favorites, and um, but also Banyana Banyana because it was wrapped in the you know the classic sports team against all odds story, right? But it's a brand funded story, and it's it's all the things that we need it to be as a brand. But it's a cl classic sports story. But as you looked at all of the different submissions, we were looking at you know travel stories from um, from dirt, and we were looking at comedy scripts. So I just really appreciate it the different w approaches that people take to making these brand funded stories. Yeah, great variety. Anybody else? Um, yeah, I th you know, I, I, I talked about c character in my first answer, but I think, you know, I really resonated with um, the la last mile, which was the big idea, and, um, yeah. Yeah. and um, <laughs> Marcus out there. Um, and, um, I w you know, what I liked, what I loved about that was it, um, it was a, a joint with HP and MIT, um, but it followed this woman who was trying to solve an issue of getting vaccinations to, um, um, you guys probably s s saw it yesterday, v vaccination, sol solve the vaccination, getting to the last mile um, issue. But she was such a great compelling character that I just, I, I, loved, I loved spending time with her. I loved watching her. She was, she kept me on screen the whole time and I, you know, watching the screen the whole time. and. Um, but the one thing that I think is that, like, these pieces shouldn't be judged the same way. I think, as you said, the variety of them, they aren't all trying to do the same job. They aren't all trying to be in the same channel. They're not all, all trying to be a documentary film. Some are trying to be, you know, like activations. Or they're, so not all branded content is the same. And we talked a lot about authenticity and that word. But um, there's authentic and then there's really authentic, which it still isn't really authentic. Authentic, but it's a broad spectrum, and I think that it it it. Um, I just don't think this stuff should all be judged the same way. I think you really need to think about what channel, what audience, and what pl platform it's what's the job it's doing. And sometimes it's documentary, sometimes it's fiction. Um, one of my favorite documentaries was You Belong Here. Mm. Also, I love it. Um, and and then you know there, there are projects that I was just like amazed with um, the ballad of uh, Tita and the Machine. Because you don't often see, you know, that level of quality, especially when you, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you're doing a Latino story, it's you know there was a real commitment in production and, and telling a story uh, that was not easy to tell. Well, I thought that was a really innovative model too. That in, indeed did it partnered with Lena Wave to bring opportunity to create the brand-funded content to people that might not have that opportunity. So if you can build that in. That's an entirely different way of looking at it. So that was great. Um, speaking of activation, I think we should talk a little bit about activation, distribution. Um, I think Marcus kind of hit the nail on the head yesterday. We come and watch this amazing film, and the first question is, now what? Um, so I'd love to hear, you know, based on what you saw either in the selections this year or in the wider industry, um, what distribution model struck you as really smart, whether that's in like amplifying it, increasing the reach, or maybe it's just targeting a very specific niche audience with something. <laughs> Marcus, you want to come up? No. Uh, so uh, I, I still think that there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And all of those projects I probably would have never seen. And not that I should have seen everyone, but I think it's still a missed opportunity where you think about 
think about Hollywood movies where a studio movie might cost $100 million to make and then there's another $100 million to market it. And that's built in at the start. Yeah, and huge. so it's not that, hey, we're going to spend this money on production and just hope and pray that people see it after. It doesn't work that way. And so I think right now there's a lot of sort of trying to figure stuff out. And, and then when it doesn't really perform, then it makes it more difficult to do those things after the fact. And when the content is right, and when you're thinking about the things that get it out there, it works. You think about something like The Long Goodbye, which uh, we transfer paid for, and I know a lot about this because we have a movie in post that we just did with Anil, the director, and Riz. And, and that movie won the Oscar for, uh, for shorts. And so people were talking about we transfer, they were talking about Riz in the same conversation where they wouldn't have done it otherwise. But that wasn't an accident. And so figuring out how to put those things together where distribution and marketing is thought of at the very beginning and it's built in and to the plan and to the budget. Otherwise, you're making cool things that nobody sees and that, sure, maybe some of your colleagues see or maybe people who already need to see it, see it, but uh, who don't need to see it, see it. And so I think that to me is a, a huge opportunity moving forward to, to really think about what that looks like. And it's at the beginning. It's not once you've done it. It's not once, oh, you think it's good. It's probably too late then. Yeah, and budgeting for it up front, like you're saying. Yeah. Correct, because we know how difficult that is. After yeah. the fact, Riz's like, hey, here's this great thing. We need some more money. Sorry, we don't have any more money. And yeah, so then you've just wasted a lot of money on this thing that's good that can't actually do what it should do. And so we're doing these things because we want to connect, and the brand wants to be out there in a way that's organic, but there has to be a plan for both parts. And the ironic thing is you need more money to get the reach and the metrics you need to sell, to get more money to make the next thing. So it's like- 100%. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I just wanted to add to that, a, a lot of that's also in the infrastructure of how the brands are built. A lot of times the, the folks that are doing this branded entertainment might be in a silo, not necessarily tied to the marketing team. And so as a part of that planning, to, to Tommy's point, like if you're working with marketing from the beginning, maybe there's a 360 plan where, yeah, you might be cutting your 15, your 30 second commercials out of this branded content that's happening and that becomes your marketing campaign for the year instead of it being this little thing on the side that we're dabbling in or experimenting with that commitment up front then becomes much more efficient, I think, and works really hard for you. And there are ways to do it that are effective, where it doesn't need to be a lot of money. There can be earned media, there can be organic growth, but there has to be a plan that is put in place so it's not just, again, hope. And there are so many media partnerships that we're seeing here that can amplify the reach. One that struck me, to your point, Tommy, like I had actually seen uh, Dirt, the series um, from Huckberry, before I saw it on the you know, the selection materials um, because I have the outside watch OTT app. And I love that for a couple of reasons, like that's their audience. Like I buy Huckberry, I watch outside, I read outside. Um, and I also love that it's their OTT app. So people are more likely gonna be in their easy chair with a TV, not on their phone. So they're gonna finish it. And there's been talk of like other people saying they're getting completion rates on these platforms like Amazon and Roku and Hulu in a way that they didn't get other places. So. That's kind of an interesting thing. Too. I was just going to add s something. A lot of like a lot of work has to be done educating the brands internally because they don't understand this, right? So, we like I work at a tech company. We're selling features, and we we understand um, a full funnel campaign, but we don't understand what happens when you make a movie and you don't put dollars behind it and it doesn't see the light of day. It happens all the time. We make stuff. We have great creative, as you said. It's these aren't. It's not organized correctly so that um, organizations don't. Uh, 
even know how to how to play in this space. And also the levels of commitment, like within the creation of the content is one thing, you have to have a complete strategy to start with. You shouldn't even make it without a strategy. And that's something we learned after we made it and didn't have a strategy, so. <laughs> then, but hopefully you take those lessons and no, then sure. you don't repeat the same. Hopefully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's what we're here for, right? To learn from each other. And it's awesome that we're, you know, we're here sharing best practices. You know, we want to make the work better for all parties involved. We got to we got to meet the business goals. We got to make something that moves somebody. Yeah. Um, but I'd also like to ask us to go like really big picture for a moment. And I loved um, what Mark Miller talked about yesterday with the legacy project. Um, you know, if we take a step back and ask the question of like, what's the legacy of what we're making in this room? Like, how does it serve society? What, will it serve our kids? Um, was there any work that that you saw? this year that already seemed to be taking that like long view of legacy? Well, gaining ground for sure. Absolutely. I do have to say though, because I otherwise, agree. you know, my employer may get me fired. <laughs> That's a big, I, this is an answer to your previous question. Like I work for Televisa Univision, so we actually, we produce, we distribute. And I, what I was gonna say, what I wanted to say is that actually to have a distributor on board is a great idea so absolutely keep that in mind even when you're like halfway in production figure out who can put that in front of the eyes that you need mm -hmm. uh, because that's what we do uh, but not only that uh, we give a lot of importance to cut downs because mm -hmm. that is a way where you can actually let uh, i mean i I'm, I'm guilty of just watching the first five seconds of something and decide it's not for me sorry <laughs> So, and I think we all are. That, that is, and I don't know if it's something that is going to change anytime soon. So, so the, the same energy and love that you put into your like, you know, two-hour <laughs> feature, you have to put in, in in the trailer. And any cut down, if if that is what's going to get uh, distributed um, uh, linear on or or non-linearly. I, I agree entirely. And to go back to the same point, it's about the plan. And so it's about what are those additional materials, whether it's a trailer or a teaser, and oftentimes the creative shouldn't be the person cutting those, it's somebody else who understands what that looks like so you can create something engaging. But also it's like, how many times have we said gaining ground up here? And you know what would be a tragedy? By the time this podcast comes out, people can't find it. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, this thing is great. This thing is great. We've seen it in this room, we love it. Where I'm, I'm home listening, gaining ground, gaining ground, gaining ground, I go look for it, I can't find it. And so that is the thing. When we have things that actually work, making sure that we've planned for that success, where the idea of luck being the intersection of preparation and opportunity. And so it's that preparing intentionally in order to really take advantage of it. The funny thing is that after watching Project Smile, well, uh, watching it again yesterday, um, I, was, I was thinking like, damn, they should use that in oil rigs. Because there's a, and I was I almost, but anyway. But that is also part of the, that should be part of the plan. Yeah. If you're engaging the community with a story that is, that is that important, you should also create, have the platform so the audience can, can talk back to you. I think that would be It's, it's something we were talking in, in terms of story selling too, is like having that long view idea, but then also what can you satisfy now, whether that's the cut downs or the trailers so that you can sell that through, because sometimes you're waiting a couple years for a doc to finish and then how much longer too. But I, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. And, and then you have the opportunity to then add on an impact campaign yeah. or other ways to continue to tell that story when it, it really works and it really makes an impact. Yeah, I mean, and something like, you know, gaining ground, I agree. Um, uh, the big idea, again, like, even, even in, in Deed's project, like, the impact not only 
well, Kitty, for example, now that's going to change her life from the big idea. Um, and the filmmaker from the Indeed project, people are going to be inspired by him. And where does that ripple effect end? There's that long tail that I think proves the legacy. But then again, can we do something in the meantime that can make it so that we can make more of this stuff, right? Um, well, um, to wrap up, I guess, let's look forward. What do you hope to see more of at, when we're all here next year? Brand Storytelling 2025, what do you want to see? I, I want to see more. <laughs> I want to see more brands taking the risk and uh, to get out there to make this, in, this type of work. And I'd like to see more work that takes the risk of delving into entertainment. I think when we look at the last year of movies, there's so many fiction features that are partnered with brands, like whether it's um, Hustle that, with the NBA and, or things that are so organically a part of the project where you may not even say like, oh, that's a brand partnership or things like that, but it raises the awareness of the product. It raises, that raises the awareness of the league, that, you know, those types of things. So I would love to see more that kind of steps into that fiction uh, space as well um, from an entertainment perspective. I continue to be really excited because I don't think brand storytelling has gotten close to reaching its potential. And I think where the audience is now is so different than where they were five years ago. And figuring out how to creatively engage them and have them become fans in a way that is subversive, in a way that is emotional, is the real opportunity. And that comes through strong storytelling and, and brands figuring out how to, to work with creatives and how to support each other, where it's not one at the expense of the other, because if it, if it doesn't resonate creatively, it's not gonna work for the brand. And so to really push it, where we're not even thinking about these things as brand storytelling, they're stories, they're movies, they're docs, they're doc series. They're like, coming for me is like where I run a production company, I also run a media company, and so like we make stuff for HBO and Hulu and all those other places where there's no reason that the brands can't be a part of those things if it's done right. And so I'm really excited about where things can, can go with the right couple of partners. Like not everybody's gonna get it, but there are a couple who do, who are going to reap the rewards in a big way because the audience and the younger audience will be all over it. <clears throat> I would just like to acknowledge the big pink Barbie elephant in the room. <laughs> And I think Barbie, again, not like Lego didn't do it before, but Barbie, uh, has, I, I would like to think that Barbie is gonna give us all a lot of work for years to come, because many, many brands are gonna say, why aren't we doing this? Um, and I think that we can actually do it better than Barbie. That's my two cents. Um, I think there needs to be improvement on, on the streamer side, and they need to come, they need to make it so our, our um, you know, Right now, it's kind of a pay-to-play world, and we and it's if if they sniff a brand, they they make you pay. This some of the content that we make are are standalone films, and they're legit films, and they should be on platforms. Um. I I actually think that again, I think there's an opportunity in the way that deals have been done. And one of the things that happened coming out of the the great Netflix correction is that deals are being done differently. And instead of a Netflix wanting to own all rights and 
be an entirely uninterested in anything else, well, you can start to be creative about how you're financing things. And you can you can do a deal with them that's a licensed deal and you can retain certain rights and you can retain, let's say you're selling a piece in the UK and a piece in the US and where the money comes from isn't as scrutinized as it was before. But but that's but that's but they're being forced to do that because there's um, cor companies and brands are wanting data. They're, you know they're wanting to not have to pay pay to play. They I, I know, but then being forced to, the to do that came from the economic factors. No, for and, sure. And so that's where the opportunity is, where brands have the ability to be a part of these these companies, which is where the the eyeballs are from in Amazon and Hulu and Netflix and Max. You can do deals now much more creatively. We're we're doing them. Yeah. We're we're licensing. But things. that's shifting right now. Like that that's different than it was a year ago, right? Yes, yeah. it, it's shifting entirely, and right. so that's why the opportunity is now. That window may close in in eighteen months, and so the opportunity is now for brands to figure out how to organically be a part of those things where we all want eyeballs for ourselves. And so if those are the places that have a lot of eyeballs, where it feels organic where it's not a commercial. And that's the thing that I think brands need to move away from, where there are spots and those are fine. That's not what this is, it's storytelling. And it has to feel like that. And when you can do that, everybody wins. The consumer wins, the brand wins, the SVOD wins, and it's just a better scenario all the way around. Awesome, do you have more to add, Danny? No, no, I, I mean, I agree. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. I just think it's been an evolution from a year ago, I hope it continues to evolve and it's not a window of 18 months. I think we need to be aggressive about making them change. Um, I think we need to demand it. You know, there's like the web is, is another option, like in the web is, so that's that's leverage that we have to not um, be, be on sh streamers. So I think we need to use it. One thing that I saw that I, I hope we see more of, and it seems like the opportunity is there, this idea of building a coalition with multiple brands to both fund great content and also distribute it, amplifying the reach. Um, two examples: Backcountry and their Venture Beyond series. They're partnering with the brands of the re you know the brands that they sell through their retail site. All of a sudden, they can make a more higher quality film because they're partnering. Um, Huckberry again with the different tourism boards for different episodes. This is just smart ways of partnering. Who's to stop? you know, an airline from partnering with a hotel brand on a social impact travel series. Like, I'm curious why we aren't seeing more of those types of bigger partnerships. I think they are starting to happen, but it requires the right people and the sure. people in the right seats to understand it. And so like, we have a doc in post right now called Full Circle that we did with Westbrook and REI is our partner. They put money in and they are all the way a part of it. And we're talking to North Face because North Face was a big supporter of the climbers and they love the film and they want to figure out what a a plan around them supporting looks like. And so mm -hmm. it is content that works. It's certainly not a commercial, but it's in line with the, their customers. It's in line with their values. Yeah. And so we're having those really deep conversations around what that looks like. And, and because both us and Westbrook have a history of, of winning and getting big distribution, it's like, you know, our last three docs were with HBO and we've had lots of awards and all these sorts of things. And so there's a, a confidence in that this thing will be seen and it will be supported. And so because of that, let's all work together before we get to that point so that we don't get to the point where it's after the deal is done and then they're trying to come in. No, they're in beforehand. And so I think those things can happen with intention and with the right people. That's awesome. I think the other variation of that is extending that partnership to the causes the way, you know, um, 
HP, MIT solve, so then you get the legacy as part of the partnerships. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you. We're not there yet, but maybe to close on your words, the opportunity is now. I think that's a great way to, to wrap this up. So just want to thank everybody for being here in person and this panel for sharing the insights. Um, we'll hope to see you all again soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me.